Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. I just came across a, a post by a friend of mine who's an anthropologist, uh, Alex Guerin, who's based in China now. And mm. uh, I met Alex because he did his PhD on ayahuasca practices in Australia. So mm. making, being involved in uh, the psychedelic world, uh, our paths crossed. And Alex has been teaching at a university in China for two years now. Uh, my Chinese is not good, but it's at a place called Jiamen, something like that. Um, and I just want to read this out because it's a wonderful observation of his experience of being in China for two years and what's going on there. Mm. And uh, you know, it's mm. rare that we get an insight like this uh, mm. from somebody that we know who's actually living there. After about two years in Xiamen, Xiamen, it's wild to consider how my eyes fall differently on China now. Yes, the Middle Kingdom has become capitalism on steroids. Yes, Narcissus' pond of materialism and consumerism has allured the masses. Yes, the talented obsession with selfies reigns supreme. Yes, the intense encounter with the modern is refracted into the soul's chamber of mirrors. Yes, other cameras circle heaven and hell for reasons far more concerning than selfies. Yes, peasant families of recent generations are now driving Teslas and eating lobster. Yes, the, the values of sacrifice and pride are pumping the economy towards a radically new way of life. This is all in line with some thread of my initial expectations. But I didn't expect to see thriving youth cultures with potent visions that fly beyond the modern spectacle, or diverse local hubs experimenting in cosmopolitan arts, music and literature, or people playing with consciousness in colourful new ways, or Taoists, Buddhists and shamans spilling into the streets, or undergraduate students well versed in the critical thinking of Foucault, Graeber and others. Whatever the experiments with modern living here will soon become, it's going to be different than I expect. That we can all expect. And that's beautifully wow. written. Thank you that's so fantastic. much, Alex. Yeah, what a wonderful insight. That's very, very cool. And really goes to complexity. You know, I mean, it's very easy to say China's this way, the US is that way, Australia is this, that, and it's just not the case. Uh, full of individuals and collectives which are demonstrating different elements and different layers of, of consciousness, different complexities, different ways of seeing everything. That's right. That, that simplistic judging often loses the, the complexity and the richness within different cultures. And you can go to any country in the world and find an amazing range of values and mm. behaviours and mm. perspectives. Mm. All right, we're, we're just going to dive into second tier now. And before we start to talk about layer seven's way of addressing problem solving, I want to talk about some transitional things. So we spoke about the nature of first tier and the things that shape how we solve problems, including compulsions and fears and those sorts of things. And these are the very things that start to come to our attention during the transition phase as we're growing into mm. second tier out of layer six. Uh, so things like becoming aware of the fears that drive us and perhaps giving thanks for the way those fears have served us well in getting us to where we are now because they have served a very constructive purpose through our growth. 
noticing and addressing our compulsive behaviors and we typically get lost in connecting and talking because it feels so good in layer six and that indeed is one of the compulsions of layer six and it can be to the detriment of constructive action which is sort of what I was suddenly getting yes. at before. And so starting to notice those things and starting to notice how when we get carried away by some compu compulsion that we neglect other aspects of life mm. and uh, being more attentive to you know, the problems that might arise as a result of that. And, and because this transition from layer six into layer seven in the second tier is actually the biggest and arguably the most difficult transition that any of us ever have ever been through and it certainly was that for me uh, then we find we are subject to an avalanche of problems and so we're we're pressured i guess by the complexity and by the the degree of the problems to start to notice and address these things that i'm talking about so in relation to the rejection uh, of other value systems uh, we are becoming more accepting, more compassionate towards people that we previously would have judged as being wrong and perhaps rejected as being not relevant uh, and expanding our heart field to, uh, to allow that compassion to play out and also noticing when we feel that rejection and considering that we may be reacting to what is simply a different set of values in another person rather than something that's ultimately incorrect or wrong. Mm. So if you're in transition, those things may, may touch you mm. in some way and, and be relevant. And uh, if, if uh, you haven't started that journey of transition into second tier yet, then there's the sorts of things that are worth contemplating, meditating on. Yes, and uh, appropriately, a couple of texts here. This one here just, been, just come in. Dr. Graves, Claire W. Graves, gave an ethical warning when using spiral dynamics, which is not its term, but for the sake of that, that people have a right to be who they are. Instead of using it, the, the system, the model, to change them, we should use the model to approach them as they are. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that yeah. speaks to, to what I just mentioned yes. right there. And, of course, Graves, from his field research and lots and lots of analysis, understood that what ultimately changes people is their life conditions, yeah. and they adapt naturally to changes in their life conditions. And so... Uh, as anybody who works in the area of change would no doubt realise, you, you cannot urge a person to change or pressure them to change. And if, you, if they do change as a result of pressure, it's not sustainable change. It's just a con point. convenient uh, and temporary adaptation to uh, get away from the pressure, <laughs> basically. And, of course, uh, related to from a, a lovely document that you found the other day from uh, Claire W. Graves from 1981, talking about uh, this uh, this layer the first layer the first being level in the second tier in this model talking about solving problems that thinking exists in different settings and knowers think in different ways thus thinking is in terms of several legitimate interpretations and several sets of values are legitimate depending on the thinker and his or her positions of and for existence so basically employing different uh, approaches to a particular problem from all the layers embedded in, as we, we often say, nested within each other. So that there are answers in all the different layers still. It's not that one supersedes the other completely and uh, demonizes or discards it, baby out with the bathwater kind of thing. They are always going to be appropriate at certain times in certain responses to certain challenges, yeah? That's exactly right, and, and that's a factor of these layers of consciousness and layers of value systems that we talk about being nested inside each other and so they don't go away they simply uh, 
uh, dominant at different times depending mm. on what life conditions call upon. So we all have all of these previous systems nested inside our, ourselves and we can all at various times shift and change quite dynamically uh, to, to operate from different systems. So uh, some of the things that drop away as we move into second tier are first and foremost fear as a motivator. So it, it doesn't mean we don't st- we uh, we stop feeling fear. What it means is we still feel fear, but it's just not a major motivator anymore. Um, and uh, and we we certainly don't feel it anywhere near as often as we used to when we were in first tier. Uh, and ultimately, when it comes to acting, it's it's not our driver. Uh, we also free ourselves of compulsions and this is not a a thing that happens magically as a result of a a magic wand waving one night i I wish it was but i can attest to that it's something that we (laughs) something that we have to grow through over time and so you know you might find parts of yourself in second tier and parts of yourself still in first tier that's a very very normal thing and And i think you you know on compulsions for my myself uh, wherever i am exactly but i you know i'm so intensely aware these days of my residual compulsions uh, and it, it's kind of humorous in a way, which I think is not a bad approach because, uh, you know, better than rather taking it seriously and giving being oneself up about them, but to, to look at them and go, I've still got these compulsions and yeah. they probably don't serve me and let's see how we can transition out of these effectively as time goes on. It seems to be a, a reasonable approach to me. That's right, yeah. We, we all still have work to do and, mm. and uh, it's something that happens over time. So uh, be compassionate to yourself as yes, well exactly. in this process and understand that it's not it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. Um, what can happen overnight sometimes is the, the tipping point where your dominant system moves from being layer six to layer seven. Uh, and um, you know, when I, when I look back to my experience of that, it did happen quite quickly. And interestingly, it happened at a time uh, immediately after I obtained the Spiral Dynamics book and read about it. <laughs> so as it was happening, I kind of thought, shit, this is just what I read in that book. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when that tipping point happened, yeah. I still had a lot, a lot of work to do. I still had fears, I still had compulsions and still had rejection happening and those sorts of things. But I had, you know, I, I tipped over the, the, the uh, sort of divide between layer six and layer seven. So I was ultimately you know i had my roots down in layer seven and could could easily fall back on that but i would still notice a tendency to slip backwards into six mm. at various times and mm. i think this is quite a common experience and of course paradoxically it's interesting because the fact that you became aware as you received the the spiral dynamics book yeah. is, is a synchronicity which is uh which is a, an aspect of um, second tier consciousness itself uh, well uh, yeah i mean and yeah and that i think was a uh, something that was um, voiced by Jung in his later right. years. Yeah, I mean, Jung's, Jung's psychology was very That's much right. layer six psychology. Mm. However, he was certainly pushing into second tier when mm. he started to move into that area of noticing synchronicity and, yes. and living life according to it. Yeah, very much so. Another synchronistic thing that happened to me at that time when I, I went through a transition was I somebody gifted me the book Shamanism by Mercia Eliad, which mm. is an absolute classic for mm. anybody who's, who's an academic uh, studying shamanism. And uh, I was up to the chapter about initiatory sickness uh, when I got particularly sick <laughs> and went into hospital, and, and that sickness was the, the tipping point uh, factor for me. Mm. Yeah, very well, interesting. Rather synchronistic. Interesting text here um, regarding just what we were talking about there. How do you contact the layers of consciousness that are nested previously and shift them to operate from different systems, and where do you start to shift compulsions? <laughs> Well, yeah. um, first and foremost, it's not a logical process. So it's not a conscious process. It's not something that we do to ourselves. It's an adaptation. 
uh, kind of, you know, in the same way that that fish that crawled out of the water eventually grew legs and it didn't kind of sit there on the beach one day and say, how can I figure out how to turn these fins into legs? What do I need to do? How do I need to, you know, get in touch with uh, my fins and get them to start growing toes? Um, it's a it's a natural process of adaptation that happens over time. Uh, and uh, the, the best thing that we can do is to look at our life conditions and to look at the problems we're facing in life and to actively address those problems because by meeting those problems where they are, then we will naturally assist ourselves to transition to a, a higher level of complexity. Mm. Yeah. And I think in, in my relatively brief experience, you could say I think the uh, the other aspects of other layers of consciousness nested so sort of arise naturally when needed somehow in response to life conditions, in response to whatever challenges perhaps that are in front of you. They kind of become present in a way. Yeah, and it's good to be very curious. You know, curiosity is yes, an amazing curiosity. tool when it comes to personal growth. And just to notice when you do catch yourself perhaps slipping down the spiral and operating from a more uh, rigid or reactive uh, raw reactive mm. value system mm. and just go well isn't that interesting you know? rigid raw or reactive there's the three r's that uh, you can be be conscious of that's it yeah yeah um and so one of the other things that falls away as we move into second tier is uh rejection of other values so um, we find ourselves bumping into people who are clearly thinking and acting differently according to some different moral code than we are uh, and rather than assuming that they're wrong and we need to fix them uh, just to, to notice any rejection within ourselves mm-hmm. and, uh, and as we move into second tier we will notice the, the absence of that rejection and that feels uh, very clean in a kind of a uh, an emotional way, I think. It's very freeing, but it's not. It's not easy. It's definitely an edge that we're playing because clearly there are, you know, our history. Most of us in in uh, first world countries, in my opinion, is, you know, a strong tendency to reject that which we don't like. That, yeah. uh, and uh, as you move forward, that rejection becomes you know, unpalatable somehow. It just doesn't. It's not very useful. It doesn't make you feel any better to go. Oh, Trump is an idiot. You know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, you can it can make you feel better momentarily, but it doesn't actually do the job. It doesn't actually get anywhere having that response. But it is tricky to to in a sense detach that much because then you kind of feel or you know I'm talking about myself and I can feel sometimes too detached yeah. from the situation. But then yeah. I but then actually it's a relaxing position because then I can look at a much bigger frame, much bigger picture, much easier without those sort of emotional hooks that catch us so easily. Yeah, and you know, it comes back to to what you're needing in the moment to feel good, really. And if um, you know, if you're being more driven by layer six values, then the the compulsion there is around mm. uh, connection, you know, deep connection yes. with other people. Yeah. And and if you're still feeling that, it's just a it's just an indication that that's still a layer six dynamic yeah. that's you know relatively strong for you perhaps yeah. at times and yeah. and notice the, how that fluctuates as well yeah. and really um, a big part of, of navigating through layer six and transitioning into seven is very much about getting in contact with yourself that you know deep connection with yourself as well and it, it's I guess that's a paradoxical aspect yeah. of of layer six because it's you know it's a very much a, a change self system but it, we also have this strong driver to connect deeply with others so it's like uh, i guess it's almost breaking down the barrier between self and other you know and by helping someone else connect deeply with themselves then we achieve the same for yes. ourselves well i guess as layer six and the last layer identified by graves research as in first tier that it is a transitionary 
layer, so to speak. So it does encompass that paradox of going in, but also wanting to change outside from within. Yeah, yeah. And complexity there. There's a a growing urge to want to do that as we move through six. And and also the fear grows as well. And uh, it's interesting, you know, as with any complex system, before any radical change, you'll often get a spike in the opposite direction. So with fear dropping away radically in the movement to second tier, we can expect that just before that, we'll get a big spike in fear. You know, our fears will increase. And you can see that playing out on the the world stage right now, Mm. uh, particularly around environmental issues. And you can see a lot of people, I think, uh, particularly in first world countries, because we're generalizing here and we always own that. Uh, but in first world countries, I think a lot of people now, in my experience uh, around here, for example, are really challenging that that fear response in themselves. They're in that in that transition period where yeah. you know it's not really serving me to to be afraid again and again and again. Even though certainly conditions are saying to me, you know, I should be scared, doesn't doesn't it's not useful anymore. It's not uh, it doesn't actually do the do the job. Yeah, and, and that's quite likely a, a symptom of getting over that tipping point. You know, into yeah with it with uh, a bit of a landing in. Layer seven, mm-hmm. second tier, yeah, but we ought to we ought to expect and understand that this change comes through tension, and mm. so we need in the transition from layer six through layer seven to have sufficient tension created within ourselves to make everything pop and reconfigure. Lovely. Uh, so you know, it's it's not it's not something that we we kind of look forward to, uh, but it's an inevitable inevitable dynamic in this change process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for your text uh, to Peter. Uh, he says, beautiful to hear you talk so compassionately about the challenges of transition. It can be a roller coaster. Thanks, guys, and thanks for listening too. We'll take a break here. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. Uh, you are tuned to Bay FM, of course, and you are tuned to Future Sense with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans. It's 1044, and we're finishing up our discussion today about problem solving. We are, and we're talking about second tier problem solving now. And uh, I came across a document from uh, 1981 when Claire Graves was still around doing his thing. And I found it on clairewgraves.com, and it's, there's a bunch of stuff on there. Uh, to explore and, and obviously some things there I haven't even discovered yet yeah. and I'm in the process of um, reviewing and, and writing a foreword for a book about his work called The Change Code mm. and uh, that's a result of uh, a lovely lady from Portland, Oregon named Monica Bourgeau who reached out to me and asked me to support her and she's writing that book and uh, it's my great pleasure to be uh, just helping her finalize that and write it forward and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll announce when that book's available it hasn't gone mm. to uh, pub- be published yet but and we'll uh, post this document also on the yeah I'll post platforms. this document so this is a it's a, a summary statement called the emergent cyclical double helix model of the adult human biopsychosocial biopsychosocial system <laughs> biopsychosocial systems yes which is what tr- Graves called his uh, his model you won't be tested um, on that no he did apologize when he announced the name <laughs> too he said he, he said I'm sorry but biopsychosocial so- systems good word actually. yeah yeah absolutely and of course that means that you know it takes account of mm. our biology our psychology our social behaviors and yes. the systems that we uh, construct in the world mm. and uh, this is a short handout which was prepared by Christopher Cowan for a presentation that Dr. Graves gave in Boston, Massachusetts in 1981. And uh, Christopher Cowan, of course, is one of the authors of the Spiral Dynamics book. Uh, He did that uh, with Don Beck. And um, 
I'm going to read from some of this handout. I'm going to read the uh, description that Graves gave in the handout of layer 7, which is the first layer in the second tier and, and really the only layer in the second tier that he had any solid data on. He got bits mm. and pieces of layer 8, but really not enough to make too many conclusions about it. So um, he's saying that... Um, this system is triggered by the second set of human survival problems. These are the problems of the threat to organismic life produced by the third, fourth, fifth and sixth existential ways or, or layers in our terminology. So what he's saying is that humanity and simply the way that we've lived and behaved through the first tier has really created this complex set of problems which is actually driving our transition to second tier uh, so we can develop the extraordinary capacity that we need to develop to be able to solve the problems that we're facing in the world today. Uh, and he goes on to talk about uh, his opinion of how certain brain cells are activated as part of this process. Uh, and he, he did a, a bit of cross-referencing with some biologist uh, friends of his when he was doing the research. Uh, and he says, this tremendous increase in conceptual space markedly changes the thinking of the human when operating at this level. Fear, but not anxiety, practically disappears. So that's interesting. Uh, fear practically disappears, but not anxiety. Compulsiveness is gone, full stop. A person has ambition, but is not ambitious. He or she has anxieties, worries and concerns, but they are not bothersome to the person. No need is felt to overcome them because they do not intrude. He or she thinks of how to deal with them so as to feel comfortable but does not feel compelled to master them. Yeah. Anger or even hostility is present but it is intellectually used rather than emotionally driven. That's a very interesting comment yes. too. So whereas in first tier, anger is something that carries us away you know, and often we'll regret later you know, our expression of anger. Uh, we have come to uh, sufficient balance in second tier where we can let it out when we need to, but very surgically, yeah. uh, you know, in order to deal with a particular social interaction. And there's certainly been uh, talk about that in, in um, the last, in the new age world, about healthy anger and non-projected an anger, which I guess is the first sort of intimations of that move towards uh, this this. Uh this feeling, this approach towards anger. Yeah, so he's talking about meeting someone, like using it intellectually to meet someone where they're at in order to, yeah. to you know, constructively progress an interaction yeah. rather than allowing yourself to be emotionally driven by anger. Concern is felt, but solutions do not have to be. Concern is felt, but solutions do not have to be. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he meant by that. I, I think, uh, again, he's pointing to the lack of compulsion. So, mm. so where, as you know, previously we might feel compul you know, compulsive uh, drivers to impose solutions, uh, mm. when we come across a problem, we'll feel the concern, but we don't feel mm. that we have to actually provide a solution. Well, the next sentence he talks there, he says, care for others is displayed, but one does not feel compelled to care or be cared for. Yeah. That's really interesting. When I read that one, I thought, that's, this is really a bit of a transition that's happened for me. I know that. I can feel that in myself. So yeah. I can understand that one very much. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, you know, what he's saying is that we feel the concern and compassion, but we don't feel compelled to act on it yeah. necessarily. Yeah. But you may. I mean, you may be in the in the moment of something. Yeah. You may be called to and know that that is what you're there to be present for. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, things done well or on time are preferred, but things not done well or not on time don't mean the end of the world. Oh, what a relief. So, uh, 
yeah, very, very accepting <laughs> and easy to get along with in that respect. Um, <clears throat> knowledge exists in different settings and knowers think in different ways. So, thus, thinking is in terms of several legitimate interpretations mm. and several sets of values are legitimate. And he's talking about the whole set mm. of you know, first and second tier values up to seven, uh, depending on the thinker and his or her positions uh, and for existence, or in other words, life conditions. So it's everything's contextual, in other words. Mm. The world is seen kaleidoscopically with different views demanding different attention. I uh, think he's in terms of the systemic whole and thought is about the different holes in different ways. Mm. So uh, we're, we're seeing the world in terms of these layers of value systems and each one is seen as a system and we're looking at a whole system of systems. So that, that's when he talks about different holes, he's talking mm. about the different systems within the entire array of systems. Uh, thought strives to ascertain which way of thinking or which combination of ways fits the present set of conditions. So in other words, which values or which combination of different values are appropriate to apply in this circumstance. So we become like a shapeshifter and we can move freely up and down this uh, spiraling array of different value systems and deploy whichever value systems we feel are most appropriate at the time. Thinking is in terms of what's best for the survival of life, my life, their lives and all life, but not compulsively. And what is best for me or thee does not have to be best for she or them. Uh, my way does not have to be yours, nor yours mine. Yet I have very strong convictions about what is my way, but never such about yours. Yes, that's so, a big one. Yeah, so we allow people the freedom to be who they are. Mm. They think in terms of authority being centered in the person, in terms of his, her capacity to act in this or that situation. Interesting that here in 1981, he was adapting his, his, uh, her, yeah, his, I know. his pronouns there. Very, to, uh, to very a, obvious that yeah. early. It's, it's uh, important. Uh, it's very progressive. Pretty conscious. Yeah. yeah. It's not derived from age. Uh, so he's talking about uh, authority. It's not derived from age, status, blood, etc. It's situational. It must be earned and it must be given over to the superior competence of another. Think in thinking in terms of competence, not trappings. Mm. Um, thought is of being there to help and helping if help is desired, but not helping to straighten out, to shape up, to gain power or control over other people. Yeah. See, we see life in terms of life continuing hereafter, not in terms of my life continuing in a hereafter. In a hereafter, in yeah. A I think hereafter. that's where he yeah. sees life in terms of life continuing hereafter in some way. Yeah not in terms of my life continuing in a hereafter. It's yeah. a very big move, actually. Yeah, not just psychologically. Not just my life, so mm. it's not self-centered in that way. Accepts and lives with the facts of differences, and that one is relating to people who are different. Shows readiness to live with differences. There's that uh, acceptance of different value systems. Accepts that life is an up and down journey from problem to solution with no mean point ever to be found. So we're always in dynamic motion on these journeys of being up and down and solving problems and facing new problems. And I think many of us have seen that when we hear our politicians go blah, 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 here's the solution. We, most of us now, many of us I think are going like, well, no, there is no, there's no one solution here. There's no obvious thing. People are immediately suspicious of when someone claims there's a solution. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we're seeing a lot of that being wheeled out at the moment with the regressive yes. values, you know, slipping back down the spiral where people are saying, no, this is, this is it. This is the way it is. It's not going to change. Just accept it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, spawns facilitative management. Management wherein the managed and the managing change according to fit 
to the fit between problems and competencies to deal with the problems. So in other words, whoever is most competent in a particular circumstance ought to be managing that particular problem-solving process. And this is interesting because I I saw this uh, in the military, uh, you know, going back to the to back decades uh, to the late 80s, really, um, where there were practices which you wouldn't find in other parts of the military. And I'm talking about special forces like the the uh, SAS, where despite the rank structure within a small group when they were operating, um, the the whole group would defer to whoever had the competency to solve a particular problem. So it wouldn't necessarily be the most senior person doing that. Um, and that's exactly what he's saying mm-hmm. here. It's a second tier characteristic. In this system, <coughs> management is based on the assumption that people have unequal competencies and capacities and unequal needs. Assumes the person will produce if one organizes so the competencies are expressed to fulfill the needs integrate them with organizational needs uh, is its dictum. So uh, again, a, a confluence of personal needs, group needs, organizational needs, needs, so they all flow in the one direction. Reminds me of uh, a piece, which I won't go into depth now, from Ralph Waldo Emerson, the great American writer, which is called The Talent is the Call, and identifies exactly this notion that each individual has a unique talent, and to identify that in a given uh, a given structural system is, is the key to actually uh, a person being who they are and contributing the best that they can contribute. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece. I'll post. We'll post that up as well. I find it's very useful. Yeah, and so so this is the way out of mm. the other side of the collapse of hierarchies that happens in layer six, where uh, we reduce hierarchy to the point where no one's in charge, and of course that creates chaos ultimately. And the mm. way out of that is this shifting dynamic leadership mm. process where we recognise who has the competency and allow them to lead in a particular yeah. circumstance. In this system, uh, the means to the end or organisational goals are restructured to fit the individual characteristics of the organisational member rather than attempts to restructure the person to fit organisational needs. The manager's role is to rework the organisation so that its goals are achieved utilising people as they are, Mm. not as someone wishes them to be or perceives they should be. Mm. Beautiful. How how beautiful is that? So that's a a wonderful summary from the man himself, Claire W. Graves from 1981 of the problem-solving strategies of layer seven, the first layer in the second tier. We're out of time. It's uh, 10.56. I'll have to say goodbye right now. And uh, all those pieces will be posted on our uh, Twitter account and uh, on our Facebook page for you to check out. Thanks so much for listening. It's been a pleasure. Be back next week. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.